This encore presentation of Disclosure is brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. Enjoy! It is time for another spine-tingling, action-packed, fun-filled episode of Disclosure. Today is a bullpen episode, and I think I say that it's fun-filled, not because the subject material is necessarily always fun. We deal with some pretty serious stuff, but I've got to tell you, it is fun to climb inside the bullpen treehouse, pull up the ladder, and hang out the sign that says, No Girls Allowed. And I understand full well that saying, No Girls Allowed in this day and age, I understand. That is politically unacceptable. And to those who are offended by No Girls Allowed, I say, I don't care. No Girls Allowed in the Bullpen Treehouse. This is my show. This is for men. I I do care, and I actually know, ladies, that you are listening, but... We don't apologize for having men only in the studio today. So, guys, welcome to another episode of The Bullpen. Tell everybody who's here now that we've offended half the world. Who are the offensive men sitting in studio today? Palmer Halverson. Palmer. Alex Rodriguez. You don't want to give your last name because I'm offending (laughs) the whole public. Alex uh, Smith. Uh, Smith. (laughs) Yeah, Smith. Yeah, and... uh, Kyle Warren. There you go. Now everybody knows who to throw under the bus. That's right. Later. No, it really is a show for men. And I don't apologize for that because, frankly, in the world of faith and culture and religion, there's not a whole lot for men. There really isn't. And I know that a lot of churches think, oh, no, no, no. There's lots going on for men. We have a men's breakfast once a year. And Frankly, in the world of Christianity and religion, there's not a whole lot for men. Men do feel like there's not much there that speaks to them where men like to be spoken to. I think there's lots of stuff in church, guys, that they hope men will love, but it still seems to involve sitting in a circle and sharing your feelings. That's right. Which is exactly what we're doing now. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what we're doing now. But it's for a good cause here. Yeah, I know it is. Today we're going to talk about um, something that you're going to want to pay attention. We're going to talk about men and addiction. How do men deal with addiction? Do we get addicted to different things than women get addicted to? Do we deny our addictions longer than women deny theirs? Are we less capable of dealing with addiction? Well, we can go anywhere that you guys want to go with the subject of addiction, and it's a pretty serious subject. There's more of it out there than most people are willing to admit. And I'm going to put this disclaimer out there. None of us sitting here are clinical psychologists. We're not psychiatrists. We are not doctors. And so you need to take this as opinion, and if you are struggling with something, Mm -hmm. go to a medical professional if you're dealing with something. We're we're going to share our insights as opinions. Opinions, And so we're not after scientific opinions, but um, I guess I'm after, guys, what you've seen, what you think about. And let's start here. Let me kick the ball down the field and say, what would you define addiction as? And at what point would you say somebody's addicted to something as opposed to a habit? Is a habit different than an addiction? And what is addiction? Yeah, I think for, for me, addiction is something that, um, that you do um, – but you can't control yourself. You're constantly doing it, and and, and you can't break away uh, mm-hmm. from from that that draw that it just it's just bringing you back. It's kind of like uh, uh, the the drug thing, you know. I 
I worked out with a lot of folks that were addicted to, to, to dope. And, man, there's just like almost nothing you can do to, to talk sense into these folks. Right. They, they go back into the mire over Now, when you over say again. when you say dope, are you referring to marijuana or just blank Just all, all, okay. all the drugs. Because, in, in, you know, yeah. the argument out there yeah. is that marijuana is not addictive. I oh, yeah, that's, that the, one. that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Really? A word that yeah. I would use, Sean, is compelled. Compelled. You know, you, yeah, you 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 know you're gonna feel compelled to do something, and and even though you say to yourself, I don't think I should be doing that again, it's just like a habit. You're compelled. You just can't stop. What's? Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, habits got to be different, right? A habit well, you could control. You're just well, doing it mindlessly. Yes, I, but well, this is I, beyond I, a habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I look at it as, as a habit is something that you know is is potentially uh, helpful. But, no. you know, if, if, when you're talking about addiction, that's a habit that is detrimental to, yeah, it's yeah. destructive right. to you, Let, to your family. To I want to explore that a bit more, but the former law enforcement or the drug enforcement officer, I just wanted you to unpack half a minute because it's not really our topic today. When, when, when I say everybody says marijuana is not addictive and you say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, why do you say that? I, I say that because um, that, that's sort of a... Um, it's a stepping stone drug for one, but it it also crosses uh, drug cultures. Uh, so typically, you would you would deal with a, a guy that was on on crack or or someone that was on meth, and 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 they stay generally in their in their areas of um, of of styles or, or types of, of drugs. So you got a crack guy; he's probably not going to be a meth guy, um, who's probably not going to be a heroin guy type thing. But when it comes to marijuana. It crosses all of those cultures. So your 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 crack guy, he's a pot smoker. You know, you just right across the board. You it would just it permeates everything, and it, and it gets you into that into that cycle. And, and so yeah, we, I we need to do a show on the legalization. We should do a, we should do a dope show. A show. A, a dope a, show. A, a dope show. I don't know, guys. This show is pretty dope. dope. Yeah, a dope I show think is dope. Like pretty dope. They're all dope. <laughs> they're yeah, all dope. Our shows are all dope. <laughs> oh, come uh, on. No, but I, I I think there's there's a lot to it and. And I, I, I sense that in today's society, um, it's not about it's not about the reasons that we say that we, we want to legalize right. this thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let, maybe we should do a show on that. Let's talk about now addiction and, and so on. And like I heard compelled and, and I for me, I think there's also in, in an addiction, there's a payout. A habit may or may not have a, oh, a habit has a payout. I get up at. 4.30, I go have a shower. That's my habit. I'm not thinking about it. I brush my teeth, comb my hair, get in the car, and I'm going through a routine, but it's a beneficial routine. I guess the payout is is that it organizes my life. But I think with addiction, there's a bigger payout, a subconscious one. You're like prodding yourself. I'm still alive. I'm 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 still alive, and there's a dopamine hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that it's that dopamine hit. And same thing with video games. Do the same thing to you. You know, you're you're getting that quick. Uh, Payout. Right. When are when, when are you addicted? At what point has because video games? I don't play a lot of video games because yeah. I I date back far enough that Pong was what people had. Yeah. You know, <laughs> burn it burned the picture into your TV right. screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pong is what we had, and I played video games as a kid. I played um, oh I guess Pac Man. I'm really dating myself. Pac Man and Space Invaders, but I don't know if that was ever a, an addiction. At one point, is a problem. I think when it gets disruptive or destructive, I think is is a good line. Okay. Well, but but yeah, I, and I was thinking that through in my head, and I was thinking, well, yeah, when it's disruptive or destructive, like you said, but the thing is, you're addicted before then. Oh, sure, absolutely. And so the the disruption is the is, is the outward symptom that you're seeing. You know, it's it's hard to say because I think it's different for everybody. 
when when is it addictive? It could be addictive the the first time you 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 do it. You well, know? there's there's definitely substances where yeah, I mean the the, the stats on meth are like you do it once, you're going down that yeah, pathway. You're done. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I I think that addiction too carries with it a a, a desire to go do that thing, and, and that's what you're dwelling on. That's what you think about. So when you walk away from it, you know you're 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 thinking about what you're gonna mm-hmm. right. what you're when, gonna do when's next, the next when you're time. gonna get your your next hit. And I and I think for video games, it's it's that way as well. So you're you're strategizing in your mind. You're out here doing whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing, but in your mind, you're thinking, man, I got I got to try. I, I think I can get through that. Through, through that level, mm-hmm. I, I right. know I can do it, and it, it now permeates your life. This is this is who you are. I think there's also an element in an addiction. I think you can say, "Man, now I have a problem." If you feel compelled to do it and you actually hate it, you hate yourself yeah. for doing sure. it, but yeah. you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I think think that's good because I don't see a lot of people play video games that are like you know when they're down there like I hate myself a little more, but definitely alcohol <laughs> and and drugs. You know those those types of things where you know there's a large amount of right. guilt associated with that. You're you're being um, you know estranged from your family. That those those sorts of things are right. are, are definitely. Do you think there. do you think men tend to get addicted to different things than women do? I actually don't know the answer to this, but um, do you think so? I mean, we're, we're, this is all anecdotal here. We aren't psychiatrists, and I don't know if you guys dug up studies or not, but um, do men tend to get addicted to different things than women do? I, I would tend to agree with that because we've already talked about in over numerous shows some differences between men and women. And the other thing I was going to mention, I like Kyle's point. You talked about, you know, so what is addictive? I mean, because one of the things that maybe we should discuss is some addictions that I think are addictions are a plot in our society, right? Being, you know, maybe working too hard. Uh, you know, being a workaholic, so to speak, gives a lot of payout and reward, and people may may applaud you for being, you know, very responsible and caring for your family. But then there are other addictions that are much deeper and darker that actually pull you much away from relationships and family mm-hmm. and highly destructive. So there's a spectrum of of addiction. Sure, there is. But with with women, I think. You know, this is stereotypical, but women tend to be more relational. So I would say men, you know, their their addictions are probably maybe going to be pulling us in different directions than, than women are. I, I, I would agree with that. I, I think for me it's probably not so much if there's a difference in addiction. Uh, well, in what they're getting addicted in, in, I would be curious to find out the reasons they're getting mm-hmm. addicted. Well, yeah. You know, why why is it that 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 they're they're choosing to do this versus why man is choosing to to do that and I think that we'll find some differences in that yeah yeah I think that might be true you know I the the, the one standout where you think oh there's going to be a huge difference is the pornography addiction because those numbers are quite largely male you know they're seventy eight percent of young sure. men have looked at pornography and except what I'm seeing now is only seventy eight. <laughs> so but it's whatever. changing though. There's, yeah, there's, there's changing. a bunch of guys that are lying. Yeah, yeah that's no, right. just tell you. Yeah, yeah and there's twenty yeah. percent that lie about ever having seen pornography. Yeah, yeah. But the numbers among young women are starting to creep up. They're not they anywhere near yet, but they're twenty some percent. I think I saw in one study recently. So I used to think, okay, that's strictly male. And I think, I think there's, this is going to sound awful, I suppose, but there's different kinds of porn. There's emotional porn and there's visual porn, mm-hmm. and, and guys are like visually attracted and women 
do I dare call all the cheap romance novels a female version of porn because it's both basically relationship porn instead of just physicality? I, I don't well, know. And that comparison's definitely been made, and I think it's I think it's real. I think um, you know when you're talking about pornography, you're separating. You know, in in the real relationships, there's there's value there, but you're creating a false sense of of whatever in in that kind of an addiction. Um, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, you're substituting real relationships with materials and substances, and I think that's another marker of addiction. You're walking away from relationships and connections into something else. Mm-hmm. And I think as society is getting more and more breakage in relationship, you're seeing more and more of this. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in in pornography for men, um, you you are you're not trying to get emotionally attached. No, I that's mean, the opposite. There's, mm-hmm. there's an end goal to what you're what what, what you're doing. Um, yeah, we'll just leave that at that. For for a woman, there's a there's an end goal as well, but it's different. This is yeah, it does. This seem is different, uh, you know, it? if you think if you think about the novel concept, this is a relationship. This is emotional. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. want to they want to get into the whole the the you know the the, the whole element of of what's going on and immerse themselves in that environment, where um, which will take much much longer than than just a you know a picture you, that you're watching. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that I mean that's the place where it's more obvious. I think there might be a little bit more going on, I think. And again, what I'm about to say, and I will, we'll take a little break and then I'll say it, I think it's it's anecdotal. I don't have hard scientific evidence. I'm not a psychologist, but I think there might be a quantitative difference. And you guys have kind of said the same thing. We're going to take a little break. We're talking about men and addiction. Uh, you might want to get pen and paper, take advantage of this wonderful offer from the good people at The Voice of Prophecy, and then we'll be right back after this. toss and turn in bed and find yourself awake in the middle of the night. Your mind is in turmoil and you're overstressed with the stuff of everyday life. You need peace and calm in the middle of the storm. The answer you need is found in our free Discover Bible Guides. You can get yours by contacting us at VOP.com. Click on the tab that says Study or call me at 888-456-7933. That's 888-456-7933. Retirement planning can be a stressful process, but it doesn't have to be. The friendly people at The Voice of Prophecy can walk you through the entire process and explain all of your options based on your specific needs. Whether you'd like to set up a trust for income or make a gift that will benefit your loved ones and change lives through The Voice of Prophecy, we're here to help. To learn more, call 1-800-348-5993. Well, we are back from the break. Apparently, our producer, Ruben, is addicted to schedules, and we have to start the show on time. He's got an organizational addiction that he can't shake. We're talking about men and addictions, and this is a bullpen episode of Disclosure. And it seems, guys, we went straight for pornography. We went straight straight to porn. Yeah, and I guess that's the obvious one, and it's natural. The question was... You know, do men get addicted to different things than than women? And I'm not sure that's true across the broad spectrum because if we get to alcohol and these things, sure, yeah. So I, let, so let's let's talk about then what I've what I've noticed here lately at the airport, um, and that's you know folks waiting in line, right, waiting to board or or waiting to get into into 
a lounge or waiting to get in, get wherever. Um, so I'm sitting in a line here a couple of days ago, and I noticed that every, every single individual, there must have been 30 or 40, um, had their heads down and looking at their phone, every mm-hmm. single one of them. Mm. And so then I, I, I've been I've been looking Did at that for the last two or three days. Well, n- no, I should I should have. But what was interesting was Did I was get on I was phone? going for my phone <laughs> to do the very same thing when I noticed that, and I put my phone back in my pocket, and I thought, really, man, I I, I just don't want to be like that. And and so I've, I've been I'm probably like that though. Standing I, in line, you're doing nothing for five minutes. You can check Twitter. You know those you of can. us those of us who fly pretty regularly didn't notice that. I remember hearing Debbie talk about this. My wife, she actually uh, had not traveled on an airplane for a while, and she crossed over from smart you know from no smartphone devices to smartphone devices, and she didn't fly for maybe four years or three years or whatever mm. it was. She went to the airport, and she told me how shocking it was to see everybody staring at their devices, just like you say. But she you know. It was it was a cold, oh, they cold drive, transition for they her. They drive me nuts because if something interesting happens on that phone, they stop in the middle of the hallway in front of. Oh yeah, them. And yeah. Then, then you run right into them. Uh, on my flight last night, I saw a newspaper for the first time in a long time. A real paper. A real paper. Made real out paper. of paper. Wow. Yeah. Get I out. I didn't know they had those anymore. No. They used to give them out at the front of the plane. Yeah. Right. Now, now they give newspapers. Now they give out iPads. No, no, no. But don't. seriously, we're we're addicted to this god on this on this screen on this phone. And what what do you think is the addiction there? Because <sighs> I know we were talking about there's got to be a payout. There's got to be, and there is a reward. I think they've done MRI studies, like functional MRI, mm-hmm. and and if you get a like on a post, uh, your brain lights up the same way as if you got rewarded with sugar or yeah, caffeine or nicotine or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And there is a dopamine hit. It feels good to get a like on a post. Hey, yeah. people like me. Hey, people me. like me. A lot yeah. of it, yeah, I think a lot of it does have to do with the, the terminology of a neural pathway in our brain. We want the, we want that dopamine hit. And whether it's wanting the information on an article or reading something political that we're interested in or, you know, yeah, getting likes on posts, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It's instant, so it's I available. Like it. Instant gratification. Yeah. I, I yeah. like getting a like on a post. I mean, you guys never like my Oh, but tweets. Twitter's changing the algorithm, though, yeah. right? They're Are changing they? it, so they're going to hide the likes. I don't have a Twitter oh, account. Oh, get out. So that's why you don't have a Twitter account. No. That's why we, we, we go on Twitter to make fun of you all day long. We that's know you're okay. not looking at it. That's okay. Yeah. I'm so it's happy none of my, about that. none of my business what you think of me. That's right. I've often wondered if control is a part of the equation for, and I know during the break, Kyle and I were disputing this a little bit, but... I, I I wonder if control isn't a piece of the issue you feel because they say that you know they say that for example here I go straight back to porn but they say for guys a part of the porn thing is is a feeling of power and control and I don't know that that's certain but I've often wondered is is part of an addiction the realization that you really aren't in control of very much in your life but you know, you're playing a video game, you get a hit. And like, wow, I just beat that level. And now I have this illusion of control. And I wonder sometimes if men are trying to dominate their environment, like the conqueror mentality, and women, I think, often are trying to control their their own psyche, their own, I don't know. And and yeah. I have no evidence for what I'm saying. It's just a thought that crosses my mind. Well, I, yeah, I've played video games in the past, and, and it's exciting just to be able to to, to beat whatever I I, I want to I want to be able to, to conquer there 
But and in and of itself, what's wrong? I mean, if there's an element of self mastery, that's sure. not all bad. No, no, not at all. In fact, what's happened with me with with video games that I've played, I think um, uh, Desert Storm. There was some kind of uh, mm. invasion game, helicopter thing, and it, man, I played that for weeks until I finally got through the whole the whole level. Once I got through it, I was done. Did you go into a Never... bit of a hole when it was done? Like, oh man, now what? No, no, mm-hmm. I oh, just laid it down. I, I I conquered it. It was done. Never played the thing again. And I, I think that's really the last the last video game that I that I actually played. But I've, I've always done that to to any video game that I played. Once I conquer it all, I've mastered it. You're done. You you know you you couldn't take me. Type. You don't thing. go into like the. Now, I, I don't have to go buy another one. They don't go into the show hole. I wonder. You know, people binge on TV shows. They'll watch an entire season in a day, and they'll stay up all night to get through that season, and then they go into a depression. When it's mm-hmm. over, because all those characters, they're, fic- they're fictitious characters. They just became your family over the last two days, mm-hmm. and now they're dead. I think we touched on something, though, that is interesting, worth talking about, and that is, and I, again, I did some research for the show. Um, I was reading Psychology Today, but there's there were some notes in there that, which is interesting, about... Ten, uh, only about 10% of people that try some of these substances that we would call addictive, say alcohol and some of these things, get addicted. Not everybody does. And the data points back to that, I think Kyle may have alluded it to, to it earlier, but the people who tend to get addicted are people who actually have more broken relationships and issues in the past. And so you might have more propensity to be addicted. Not everybody gets addicted to stuff. Some people try something once and oh, that's okay. And they might do it a few times, but it's not going to get to that stage where they're really compelled to do it and it goes to dark places. I, don't, I, I think I, I agree with that, but I think there's also a genetic aspect to it. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, there is. Absolutely. Know. Uh, and so, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of people in my family and extended family are alcoholics, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's weird. There is an alcoholism gene to speak. I mean, there's yeah. a lot in, in, in some of my wings of the family. There's piles of alcoholism, and it seems to be the alcoholics, the children of alcoholics, while they have emotional problems as well that might lead to drinking, but also seem to have a genetic weakness for it. Right. Yeah. And so it's it's one of those things like when you when you try it, boom, it, it turns something on yeah. that wasn't on before. And now you can't turn it off. I knew kids in college that tried their first drink and that was it. Yep. One, It was one party, a that's couple of beer and they're off to the races. They yeah. can't stop. They can't stop. And, and that's that's what's weird to me. You know, it's it's this driving compulsion like Palmer was talking about. And to, to me, I'm, I'm just sitting there going, you know, how? How do you control that? How how do you how can you get fixed? Or, yeah, or, or go back. But that that's that inter- that's an interesting drive. The driving compulsion that that statement itself. I think of of um, Alberto who who drives uh, trucks for us and used to work right. in the warehouse mm-hmm. and love that guy. Man, if there if there's anybody that has a driving compulsion to be healthy and and fit, oh yeah, it is it is that dude. I oh, mean, there. Yeah. And, I know. And, and, and it puts all of us to shame. The shame, he's the yeah. oldest shame. man and, in the bunch. And I and I look at him and I'm I'm thinking, what what drives you? What yeah. what makes you get out there? Doesn't matter what kind of weather it is, and 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 just beat the pavement out there, and, or or get on a on, on a on a bicycle right. and want to climb that that hill over a hundred mile ride. Yeah, it, it's it, it blows my mind. He does hundred mile rides. Oh yeah, he does long on like a Sunday. Rides. Yeah. Wow. You know, there is something though. I I used to go. This is before I was a Christian and um, used to go to the casino, and it wasn't an issue for me. I'd sit and play cards. I'd sit and play roulette. It wasn't an issue for me. And then I invited one of my friends one time. You ever been to the casino? No, I've never been. 
And we got down there, and he played a couple of rounds of roulette and lost his money. I said, oh, let's go. And he turned to me, and he grabbed my lapel, and he said, do you have any more cash? Mm, I said, wow. no, no, no I, I, I don't. He said, let's go hit up a, a bank or – no, hit up a bank. That sounds like <laughs> – oh, let's go man. rob a bank. No, no. Are the banks still open? Because it was earlier in the day. Are mm. the banks still open? i got to get more money. And I – and there was something in his eyes. He'd never done it before. He'd done it for about 20 minutes, and he couldn't yeah. let go of it. Wow, man. And it's like you've uncaged this animal in your, in your, yeah. in your brain. And, and, and it's like, it took him a long time wow. to get over that. And then I felt bad. Oh, yeah. It wasn't yeah, an issue for jerk. me. I could go in there and lose $2. Oh, you, know, you messed up his life, man. Well, I did. You know, I thought about that. Let's say that something's not a problem for you. The, the Bible talks about do not be a stumbling block to others. And, sure. And I know some people say, yeah, but that's not a problem for me. But what if it is for your kids and you brought it into the house? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Absol- absolutely. Yeah. I think, well, there's wife. multiple levels I think we're talking about. Obviously, the sin problem makes all of us, you know, pro- uh, yeah. prone to, to to go down some sin pathway. But then I think what, what Kyle said is accurate. There's what what's in your DNA, what's in your system, you know, your family of origin. And then there's, again, I still think that there's this, you know, relational, emotional component that might drive you certain directions. Well, let, let me let me ask this question. Is, yep. is it possible... Is it possible that this driving compulsion that we were talking about, this um, almost this you know ad- addictive type uh, gene or whatever it is, is it possible that's God designed for certain good things like Alberto staying in top shape, but sin and and in our our driving desire to do evil takes that right. and bends it in such such a way that it it, it it adulterates it. You know what I've found interesting, and again, only anecdotal evidence, I haven't studied this completely, but if you take a look back in the Old Testament and you look at the times that Israel got into idolatry, or you just look at the pagan cultures that were into idolatry, there's always something that goes hand in hand with it, temple prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, is there a link here between idolatry and sexual temptation? Oh, and sure, the I answer so. is yes. One of them, say we're back, well, I just brought us right back to porn. Here we go again. That's right. right. Right back to porn. What is pornography? Pornography gives me the illusion of a relationship. Here's this gal mm-hmm. that they put mm-hmm. on on a camera. I, in my day, she had a staple in her navel. There was no internet, you know. And, right. And she's looking into your eyes, and I'll be your girlfriend, sailor. You know, th- you know there's that look. And so you get to have the trappings of a relationship without any of the commitment, without any of the responsibility, without any accountability whatsoever. And I think the same thing was true in idolatry. Here is a God, I'll assuage my guilt, I will offer a sacrifice to this idol, handle my guilt problem, on we go with life, no accountability, no relationship. Mm, mm-hmm. I think I think they're related I for a reason. I think that's very interconnected, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, guys, uh, do you think men handle addiction differently than women do? I mean, does it affect us differently than women? Do we feel more shame, less shame than women? Uh, I think we're less less uh, willing to go get help. Well, yeah, I think one I of the things, say. yeah, I think exactly. I think one of the tendencies of of man in general is to be more isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you it's know, true. we want to do things. We're task oriented. We're less relational oriented. Stereotyping here, but yeah, we're we're more more isolated. And in that case, we pull away from. You know, no, it's the same thing about men asking for directions. No, I'm going to take care of this myself. I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to, you know, do do yeah. this kind of a thing. And so, you know, we don't want help. I don't we, even pull out Google you know, Maps until yeah. I'm lost. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and I think it's easy. Then you easy. quietly do that. Over, I'm going to go use the restroom and you're yeah. like. <laughs> it's, it's easy for men to become isolated. That's the easy thing for us to do. Yes. Because we're, we, we, you know, I... 
speaking for myself, you know, I don't want to sit down and talk about my feelings. No. That's not something I want to do. It's a lot easier for me to... To, to Why, just though? What are you afraid will happen if you sit down and talk about your feelings? Why do you hate that? I know we're about to take a break, but... I, I talk, think it's, talk, to you, talk to us about your feelings. Yeah, talk, talk, talk no. to us about it. But I, why? I think, it, I think it's just got to do about, you know, I have privacy that I want to keep to myself. Right. And you don't get in there just yet. No, I agree with that. When we come back from the break, let's address that a little bit. I think why are deeper. we private? Yeah. Why are we private? Why don't we want to share our feelings? Mm-hmm. And because I'm in the same boat. There's a fat chance I'm going to tell the, you three guys what's actually going on in my life. And then I want to sit down and think about, but why? Sure. Why don't I want to do that? We've got to take a little break. This is the bullpen. It's a special edition of Disclosure from the Voice of Prophecy. We're about to share a bunch of great stuff with you. You're going to want to pay attention to these offers, and we'll be right back. Disclosure is just one of the programs brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy, like the audio adventure program, Discovery Mountain. Discovery Mountain is a weekly Bible-based program for kids of all ages and backgrounds. Your family will enjoy faith-building stories with Jake Donovan, (laughs) Mr. Simon, and others in this small mountain town. Each summer, campers visit Discovery Mountain, where they sing songs, learn about God, and reenact a Bible story with the help of drama teachers, Miss Wendy and Miss Tamara. With 24 full episodes every year and programming every week, your family will have something uplifting to listen to every week. Listen to episodes on demand and watch video features from Director Doug at discoverymountain.com or on your favorite podcast platform. That's discoverymountain.com. And we are back from the break, and we asked a very uncomfortable question right before the break, and I think, Kyle, you were on the hot seat. I don't know. We were talking about the fact that men, you know, we're, we're asking the question, are there differences between the way that men and women handle their addictions? Do men feel more shame? And, um, Kyle, I think you were saying, or somebody was saying, yeah, men are a lot less likely to talk about a problem that we've got, and I was kind of cornering you, and then the music delivered you. Yeah. From the question, yeah. yeah. So the, the the question is, why? Why don't we open up or talk about it? Well, and I think that men look at that and they go, oh, that's, you know, talking about your feelings, that's for the women. And you, you know, whether that's right or not, who knows? But uh, I think it's much easier for men to withdraw from difficult situations where you, you have to you know, dig deep and 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 go through those things and work through those things when I could just go drinking, mm-hmm. you know, and and then it'll kind of magically be better when I get home somehow. Right. You know, I think that part of it maybe deep in our psychology is that men don't want to be weak. We want to be strong. We want to be powerful. We want to be strong to talk about flaws that we have is to be weak. And so. Yeah, we don't want to be. We don't want to be that person. We, but but you know, it's it's interesting. I, I I know men that like to talk about their feelings, and that's weird to me, because you know if like when we yeah, get no, well, I'd agree with that. Well, when we get around, 
it's like that's not the first thing that we want to do. We, you know, we'll talk about everything else but that. But at some point, that will come up, or you know, those things come out. Well, except a for bit. some feelings, anger's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. really made me mad. Yeah, I it's just, okay to be mad. Right, that's manly just, because it's aggression. Yeah. yeah, it's aggression. Right, but but to s- sit down and, and and talk about you know how I'm feeling, I don't even know how I'm feeling. I don't. I don't. I, I mean, I don't. Sometimes I feel like I don't have the tools to talk intelligently about how I'm actually feeling. Right, and everybody's wife listening to the show now is like, you just right. yeah. yeah. Wow, a breakthrough for Kyle, right? Yeah, and, yeah finally. And, you know, yeah. this is, this is that's good. what my wife is doing. A few more sessions, Kyle, and you'll be doing good. Yeah, yeah see, and here we are making fun of you. <laughs> and, and, that's and that's why what, you don't share your feelings. Well, and the thing is, though, in, in this setting, All right. you know, I feel comfortable around you guys, but the, when you meet somebody else and they just go straight to talking about their feelings, oh, no, man. No, oh, no, 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 don't. No, don't that's do a that. red flag we'll see you right later. there. Well, here's, here's the thing for me. I, I think there's there's two main things. One very powerful one I think you mentioned, Kyla, and that is the fact that I want to be my own fixer. I want to fix my problems. There, there should not be anything, and, and at least this is for me, there should mm-hmm. not be anything in my life that I, that I can't take care of. And so when, when I'm reaching out to you to help me with something, that, that kills my pride. It's weakness. That, mm-hmm. that, is, that is so, so incredibly weak of me. Right. I, I should be able to handle this myself. And I'm not sure that's all bad. You know, I there are going to be psychologists writing us after this show. Oh, yeah. I, I don't no, know that is... that's all bad because well, I'm not sure the depends. opposite is what we want from young men. And, and we're seeing the opposite take place. You want to teach a young man to be self-sufficient. And every little boy dreams of being somebody's hero. You want to be a hero. And I want to do all those things. So I don't want to culture that completely out of the male half of the species. Sure. But at the same time... You know, you watch groups of animals, they'll take out the weak one. And I think right. there's a latent fear in men. If I admit I'm weak, the tribe's going to kill me. And but, that, and that brings, brings me to the second point in that the fact that there are, there are consequences to certain addictions. And, and we don't want to deal with those consequences yeah. either in, in your family life or in your society or in your job uh, place. And, and so it's much easier to say, man, I, I, can, I can do this. I can, I can handle this. I can take care of this problem, and it won't ever be a problem. Yeah, but let's say, let's say you do have an addiction. You, you know, you, you have an alcoholic addiction or something like that, and you recognize that, but you still don't want to deal with it. You know, what, what are the steps that, that people should be taking you know, because you're 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 destroying families and marriages and children and just name it. Your 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 um, people's livelihoods are getting destroyed over these things, and and somehow you know it's okay because I don't want to talk about it. Well, you know, those two things don't go together. Well, I think one of the that's I think when we talk about so we talked about strength and weakness. I think one of the weaknesses of men is not seeking help. So I mean. To, to be strong is to admit when you're in something over your head mm-hmm. and to ask for help. That takes right. some real strength, especially in this area, like what, what you were talking about, Alex, a moment ago, is that, um, yeah, you may think you can handle it yourself, but if you truly can't, then it's actually strength to say, okay, I'm going to get, I need to mm-hmm. get some outside help. And sure. yet, and yet, here's one of the things that I've noticed because I travel so much. I will get to, you know, churches have camp meetings and events, and I come in from out of town, and guys will come to me and tell me what they're struggling with. 
and it's the whole gamut. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with alcohol. And they'll tell me, and I'm thinking, you're telling me because I'm getting on a plane tomorrow and I'm leaving town and I can never turn That's this right. around and use it against you. It's those consequences yeah. that yeah. Alex was talking well, about. I, I don't know. I, I think at, at some point, too, you're elevated in their mind to be like this guru that maybe you have the answers that they're looking for. Yeah, except that I've had some of them tell me. I can't say this at church. Oh, I sure. have nobody to yeah. talk to, and I'm thinking, then I'm I think I know why. Because, you know, Christians are awful at this stuff. You will tell somebody, man, I've got a real problem with whatever, video games, mm-hmm. or, you know, I skip work to indulge in whatever. Yeah, whatever you know. it is. Yeah, and and so you don't want to tell anybody at church because in churches— um, you know, and God condemns talebearers for a reason back in the book of Numbers. But you'll tell a friend, please don't share with anybody. And then they go home and tell their wife, tell look, everybody. don't tell anybody, right. but Kyle is struggling with yeah, right. X, Y, Z. And then they go off to the women's group and say, okay, don't tell anybody, but. Oh, you... And then the information comes back to you from a source you never trusted. Mm-hmm. And I think men live in terror of that. I know that I. I actually, I don't want to be the, the one that everybody's talking about. Yeah, but that is terrifying. I mean, you know, as, as far as, you know, dealing in a, in a church setting or, a, you know, your your tribe, you know, if if somehow it's like, okay, I, I've now been demoted inside this tribe. I don't have the same trust. People aren't putting the same trust in me. They're, they're expecting less of me. Right. You know, and it's like, okay, am I broken now? Yeah. You know. And and I agree with it. I don't want to end up there. Like, did my stock value drop around here? Mm-hmm. And I, sure. I, I think it's very it's very item dependent too. I mean, if I come up to you guys and say, "Man, I'm really struggling. I am addicted to my phone. I, I just can't I can't quit checking my emails." Um, then I might get a man. I, I know I know that's that's tough. Right, because that's come, not one yeah, of those dark ones. Right, but I come up to you and I and I and I say, "Man, every single night I'm I'm hitting the bottle." And and I, I just can't I can't stop now that that all of a sudden it's like we're gonna pray for you yeah, but you're gonna walk dark. away saying we've got a problem yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and the thing with men me in particular sometimes you want somebody to listen to you sometimes you're looking for tools to fix a situation sure and and as men you know me personally you know when my wife is coming to me for something it's like how can I fix this. It, yeah, that's how true. How can I fix this in 30 seconds? Let me, you know, here's here's the three-step plan you need, honey. And she just wants an ear. And that's not what they want. And not that's not what they want, but sometimes men need to be heard, but then sometimes they they're like, "Give me the three-step plan." You laughed, Alex. Was I, your I, wife I want la- you to I fix am it? Laughing. No, I, I'm <laughs> laughing because because my wife will, will will share a problem and and I'm 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 that way. I'm like, "Pull out the here's solution." What you got to do. And then she's upset because I gave her the solution and I'm like, "Don't ask me if you don't want me to fix it." I mean, why did you ask me in the first place? I think I Honey, caught that's all what I'm here for. I caught all of us sharing our feelings just now yeah, about our personal life. Not lives. true. Right, not true right. at all. <laughs> not true. Yeah. Not true. No, I'm tough. But but then you know when when you do come to that point where it's like okay this is outside of my realm of control. Now I need the three step plan. I need the whatever it is. And you know guys, are there things? You know I was mentioning this earlier. You know and you guys were coming up with some Bible verses and stuff. Sure, sure. You know that men can go okay. You know if I fall in this, what are some yeah. some Bible promises well, I, I can be? I think in the final segment we'll look at some of those promises. Uh, but I, I, I found that when we're dealing with true addiction, uh, and, and now we're talking about destructive practices that mm-hmm. that are, are messing your life up and everybody else's life, 
Um, there's nothing you can you can do about that until these people are laying flat on their back, looking up, and and, and have no hope. There's there comes this point where um, there's no way nowhere to turn, and, and and I think that 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 for some um, it's kind of a, this fork in the road, and yeah, I think I think many too just choose to take their own life too. And when, when yeah, sure. So but when you get that, to that but, place, it's like this person's family's already been laid in waste. Sure, sure. Is there not something prior to that? Because I, I agree with you. The, it's like you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. No. There has to be a level of personal motivation to make real change in those situations. You decided your way into the situation. You're going to have to make some decisions on the way out. Sure. I think think as a family, there are things that you have to do in order to protect the family from being decimated. Right. But when it comes to that individual... Um, man, you can you can. Re- I've got a friend that uh, that dealt with um, with addiction with his son uh, for many 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 years, and and it was one rehab place out of, out of another, just constantly sending him to the next thing, mm-hmm. and just nothing helped until that boy finally decided, you know, I I wanted some help. Um, there was there was just nothing you could do about it, and even to this day, although although he has gone through some help and he had decided that the, the kid still struggles, man. Sure. sure. Yeah, it's going to leave scars. It does. I um, I wonder sometimes in you know, churches we've alluded to this. Do churches deal well with addictions and particularly addicted? We're not men? set up that way. No, no. It, it it actually one of the things my dad used to say. He was a pastor. Um, he used to say a church needs to be a hospital for sinners, and we really aren't most of the time, unfortunately. And I think it goes back to some of the things we've been saying. I think there's appropriate conversations in church and there's a spiritual growth but there's sometimes where we need more help and we need to go deeper and i'm not saying the church shouldn't provide that but it seems like we struggle to provide what's needed no well and i think it's more than just in addictions we sure the the church is not not accomplishing the the mission that it it set out to accomplish and one of those reasons are the the deep package or or baggage that that each one of the church members are carrying it on each other and Mm -hmm. and we're we're not well equipped to deal with baggage as a, right. as a church, and, and no. we just struggle with that. And so we we want to just simply have it clean. Have, oh, we can't even admit our do, own. Let we alone. we can't even admit our our own. You're you're, yeah. you're right. So like churches, you know, my example is oh, churches, uh, you know, people. Well, we mentioned this earlier. Churches, people will gossip and talk oh, about yeah, stuff, which is a massive sin, and then we'll talk about other things that are also. Deep sins, maybe less consequences, but we don't. They're too. Uh, gossip is a uh, gossip. Frankly, I think is an addiction. There are people who. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know people who will call me. What have you heard about? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. You know, and they got to have something to chew on, and it's one of the addictions, mm-hmm. I think, and it's one of the things that makes for a dysfunctional church family. Honestly, that'd be the number one reason I think that I would never say something in church. Hey, everybody, pray for me. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you don't want to say, hey, everybody pray for me and not label what it is. Sure. Because then they're going to fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. right? So let's let's take, we're going to have to take a break again. I can't believe how quickly it goes by, but I think we should look at some hope and Bible promises and maybe explore the question a little bit. What could we do as men for other men and, and so on? We're going to take a break. I'll be right back after this. You are listening to a bullpen. It's an episode of Disclosure from the Voice of Prophecy. We're looking at men and addiction. We're going to take a short break and come right back.
All around us, the world is changing. Homes are being lost, lives are being threatened, and some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. You can get yours by going to VOP.com, click on Study, or call us at 888-456-7933. 888-456-7933. As you may know, the Voice of Prophecy is supported by people just like you. We provide Christ-centered programs and Bible studies free of charge so that no one is left out. If you've been blessed by these programs and would like to pay it forward, we invite you to visit VOP.com give to make your tax-deductible donation. We're equipping the world for Christ to come, and your support will make a direct impact on so many lives. That's VOP.com give. It almost seems like we're addicted to breaks on this show. And conversation gets clipping along, and you know how hard it is to get a bunch of men talking about their feelings. And uh, then it was time for another break. We're talking about men and addiction. And we were sort of immersed in the question, do churches deal well with this? And I think I want to ask that again, particularly from a male perspective. Uh, I think there are lots of opportunities in, in, you know, this is just observational, lots of opportunities for women to get into a group and share their feelings and talk things through. And, um, and I'm not sure that men want that. If I were invited to a church support group that we're all going to share our feelings and we, if I hear these things and they do exist, we're going to build each other up and share our feelings and take our masks off. I'm like, nope, nope, not showing up for that. Let's talk about Christian men who notice another man is struggling with something. And in a church context, it's one thing to complain about the church not being a great place to deal with these things. What can guys do to make it a better place and address needs that they recognize? You know, so Kyle, you notice I've got a problem with something. I'm addicted to whatever it is. So it's, it's let's say it's alcohol, and I'm you know I'm struggling. Guys, what, what what do we do about that? How do we recognize the problem? How do you approach it in a way that makes sense to a guy and doesn't drive him out the door? Well, I think I think we have to be willing um, ourselves to to dialogue with that with that individual at the at the feelings level. And so this this is no know, no. <laughs> you're seeing a guy struggling. And you're yeah. saying, t- telling yourself, hey, that guy's really really struggling. But at some point, I've got to tell myself. All right, you're going to have to sit down with this dude and 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 actually talk about this kind of stuff, and that and that's a big barrier for us as as men. Mm-hmm. I think you would definitely want to be in prayer so that the Holy Spirit would lead you to the moment of conversation because sometimes that you know you can maybe feel like the other person's ready to have that conversation and they aren't. Obviously, you want to help them, but. Knowing when when to have that first conversation would be important. Well, if the if the if the help isn't welcome at that moment, you're going to cause more damage than you sure, are going to help. Absolutely. Well, and I think it goes back like if you notice somebody struggling, you need to be working on your relationship with that person because if you yep. if you trust. don't have a relationship and trust with that person, yeah. you're you're about to burn something down. Oh, and, you absolutely, and that's the number one thing. You know, the churches are full of people who want to help fix everybody, but nobody invited them to do it. And uh, and you're going to cause damage by inserting so- yourself into something you were never invited to. I think building that trust mm-hmm. level so that you get invited at that moment. 
and and this is I think this is where we struggle in the church. This is where we have failed. We failed with with trust, and it's not just men. It's 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 all all the way around. Um, you know, I always think about individuals coming into the church, and and they have a greeter out there that's greeting them, and it's always the same thing. You know, how how was your day? How was your week? Type thing, and. And and everything's very shallow. Oh, mm-hmm. blessed, blessed. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But what if you unloaded? What if you absolutely unloaded about that? Would how make you're everybody real, squirm, though. Squirm because we're not very comfortable uh, with doing that. Neither the one that's hearing, or asking, or the one that is that is telling. Now, early in in uh, well, I say early I, in in the 1900s, uh, late uh, late in the 1800s, early 1900s. Probably adopted from 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 the Methodists. They were big into the the small groups and and getting every member into mm, into right. a small group. And but those those kinds of small groups that that many different churches had and, and many denominations had, they were more than just what we have now as a small group. You know, go and eat some food or study the Bible together. These were all accountability groups. Mm-hmm. So you walked in. And you sat down, and it was like, "Hey, Kyle, you know, you talked about that sin that you were dealing with last last week. How are you doing with that?" This week, and, yeah. and, and and you know, everybody's airing out in these small group settings their their actual sins. Well, in order to do that, there was a great level of trust that existed, so that men and women could could do that, and right. they all participated. Mm-hmm. Um, and churches churches grew. We've we've come a long ways from doing that. We're, we would all well, struggle I, I with this. I can't even imagine going in some place. I mean, I would have to have ultimate trust with you Absolutely. to be able to, to sit there and go, okay, I'm going to open up about this. Right. And I have to know Alex is, is good. Stacy's good. She's not going to go tell her, That's right. her That's friends, right. you know, and... I, I don't trust any of you guys like that. <laughs> you know, that that's I'm, true. I'm, but that's I'm, true. You know, I think if if we if we did that, you know, I that that would happen. Well, with but, with men, you get you get you get trust once. Yep. And if you yeah. break trust with a guy, it's finished. Have you hey, ever noticed? Hey, I'll be nice to you, you know, but we're done. Infidelity causes huge chaos in any marriage. But I have watched, and I have noticed that there are more women willing to forgive and get on with life and trust the guy again and learn to trust him then the other way around if the wife cheats it's broken it's i don't know if i'll ever trust again and with guys going into an accountability group like you're describing if trust is broken once he's never he's coming gone. back he's gone yeah. i would say a healthy church um and pray, we're praying obviously that all of our churches are healthy but a healthy church has members who have uh, deep relationships with each other, and it could be in a small group or not. But I think we need spiritual mentorship in our life. We need we need close relationships. And if the church doesn't have a lot of those going on between their members, there's some there's some challenges. I think the conversation that we're talking about is not a corporate conversation in a church, right? These are conversations that are happening between individuals. And so I think that for a best spiritual case, we need to be in a relationship where we can we can mentor and we can work with each other in these capacities. Yeah. I, I have, um, uh, in my old church, we had a men's group that met, um, and it was uh, it was multiple churches. It wasn't just our, our men's group. We had just a few of us decided, hey, let's start something for men. And we ended up making a logo and, and sending it off to different churches. And we actually had a lot of folks coming on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some things outside of, of that as well. But but there was praying together. There was there was just kind of coming together to to talk a little bit about you know what was going on in your life. And I found I found it very interesting that 
well, number one, there was a lot of burdens in there. There was a lot of sure. stuff that nobody had ever talked about to anybody before that was just coming out. And um, and then there was a willingness after after meeting a few times, there was a willingness to go ahead and share that within that circle. But it was very, very clear that it didn't leave that circle. Yes. And then and then there was prayer associated to that. So it wasn't just, hey, tell me your feelings, but it was like, okay, now let's all get yep. together and lift up this uh, this issue and, mm-hmm. and, and ask the Lord to, to, to heal. That was very well accepted. I think part of our issue is intentionality in the church. Sure. Mm-hmm. We aren't intentional enough to set up systems that uh, that will provide. Well, also male-oriented systems, because sometimes Correct. what they plan for men looks like women designed it. That's right. And nothing, no offense, ladies, but that's not what we're looking for. We don't think like you. We don't share our feelings like you. We don't, we don't operate on the same plane at all. And if it looks like it's just a mirror image of a women's support group, we're mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, we talked about this in actually a previous uh, bullpen, and that is men build trust by doing activities together. Mm-hmm. If we're doing activities and things and projects, we're building relationships. And yeah, we do need to go to the deeper level of, of communicating, um, you know, our feelings or whatever, but that's not going to happen unless we do some things together. Oh, no. That's you know, right. It's something that you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, Palmer, was m- mentoring. Mm-hmm. Other men mentoring men. I, ha- I had a, a, a mentor um, a, a while back, and uh, I love him deeply. The thing was, I could say anything to this to this man, and I knew that it would not leave between me and him. Right. Just absolutely—I mean, anything. And he would sit there, and he would listen— and, you know, then he would offer, you know, his opinion and, and, and some, you know, practical things that I could do to, you know, tr- try to help the situation. And I think if more people had that, you know, number one, we'd be closer. We would have more relationships in the church, that that sort of thing. But it, it would just—it uh, helped me on a level that I can't even explain. I'm, I'm guessing, actually, Sean, you reflected on going to camp meetings, going to speaking events and having people approach you right. because it was you know safe. They trusted you. Yeah, and I'm going to leave town. And you're leaving town. But I think also this is actually a, a good first step. I mean, likely some of those people had never told another man or spiritual leader in mm-hmm. their life about this. And that actually probably popped a bubble that is leading to healing. It, it was the first step for them to acknowledge and admit that they had a serious issue and approaching you was probably a very healthy healthy thing for them to do. You know what's interesting? You talk about keeping things to yourself. I had somebody bring up something years ago and said, would you pray for me? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll pray for you. Do you? And it wasn't a big, serious thing. It wouldn't have humiliated this guy. But I said, do you mind if I ask my wife to join me praying for you? Because it wasn't a big deal. We're not talking mm-hmm. porn or alcohol or anything yeah. like that. It was something relatively minor that wouldn't be embarrassing. And he said, well, I always kind of assume that you always just tell her. I said, no. No, I I don't. Unless you tell me to tell her, I tell nobody what you mm-hmm. tell me. And yeah. that underlines that again, that fear. Where else is this going to go? Mm-hmm. I had a pastor once tell me, everything you tell me, um, uh, I tell my wife. She knows everything. Yeah. And and I thought, well, then you're not one that I can talk to. Right. No, you didn't give permission for that. That's right. Yeah. And permission is a huge word for guys. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't give you permission to talk to me... If I didn't invite you into my problem and I didn't give you permission to talk about it, don't. Yeah, because your relationship isn't with that person's spouse. It's with them. That's right. You've developed that trust with them Mm one-on-one. 
And so I think, Kyle, you know, you were talking about what, what are these steps. I, I, I think the step for us is, is to build those relationships and build mm-hmm. those trust environments where, where now we can actually get to the core. You know, we always talk about uh, preaching the everlasting gospel and, and, and right. people, people aren't going are gonna, aren't gonna to trust you into what the issue is with that particular doctrine or that other doctrine or, or whatever it is uh, until you're actually right there. Like you, you, you spend that time with them. And, and so with, with these addictions, um, I, I think we got to do the same thing when it comes to men. We, we sit down with them and, and they know, they know that they can trust us. They mm-hmm. know that it's not going to go anywhere and, and that we, we really do care about trying to help them solve it. And I think at that point, men are going to open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think for those who are struggling with something, I mean, seeking help is going to be really important. I think we've established that you're not going to be able to deal with this yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to right. seek help. And the other thing that I would say is that there's probably some tools are better than others, but there are definitely some tools out there. Yeah. There's some programs, some tools, but I think building relationships is important. I was reading psych, psych, um, Psychology Today. I was reading an article, and I re- alluded to that earlier, that actually there was a line in there. Um, uh, Robert Weiss wrote an article in, in uh, 2015, and he was quoting Johann Harry, and he said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's a connection. And I think there's a lot of brokenness, and mm, I think mm, so. Mm, if people are good. seeking connection and relationships, especially healthy spiritual relationships, sure. you're going to find help. But when you isolate and you remove yourself from that help, you're going to just go deeper into your addiction. And, yeah. I, and I don't want to be judged either. I, I want someone that I can talk to that, that won't, won't judge me. Oh, so sure. You don't want and, them to set yeah. themselves up as That's your right. pedagagogue. Yeah, we we yeah. live in a, in a world of sin. I completely understand. Let's pray about this thing, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and leave it at that. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, we were going to talk about some Bible promises, and my goodness, we're down to like we'll to ninety seconds. Show, we'll have to do another show because we do a public event. Alex, you and I are out there often together, and we run a class on addictions. That's and right. I'm always blown away by how many people show up because no one's ever offered them any help. That's right. And here's what I want to say, and we'll have to do an episode on it. The big principle for me, and you know, before I was a Christian, I used to smoke a pack a day, drink four pots of coffee, and I and I drank a lot of beer. And trying to quit was one thing. First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Amen. God's in your quarter, guys. Mm-hmm. He He wants you to beat this thing, mm-hmm. and you Absolutely. can you can walk away. Self willpower, you know, that's not working. Mm. Lean on God. We'll have to do a show that deals with that and. Um, because we apparently were addicted to talking, and we filled right. up the entire <laughs> time slot. I want to thank you guys for coming in, and uh, when we go off the air, you can quietly tell me what all of your addictions are, and I'll make a list here and put them up on Twitter so everyone Kyle's out there can... Kyle's going to start. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle, you can start, yep. You yeah. can start, and we'll put them on Twitter so everybody can pray for you. That's right. Because uh, it's the power of prayer. You've <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, if you're listening, remember men aren't wired like you and um, they need the space and you got to have permission to talk to a guy about some of this stuff and that's why friendship comes first thanks Mm -hmm. for listening this is sean boonstra you've been listening to a bullpen episode of disclosure until next time god bless